Hello, welcome to the AC Visions Family Talk Podcast. I'm your host, AC. Here is where we discuss all things faith and family. I share real life stories of home life as a wife, a mother of five, home educator, and all the learning curves my family and I are journeying through. As you can imagine, we're in a busy season and I got a lot to share. The goal? Getting back to the basics of raising strong families. Let's talk about it. Hello, this is episode three entitled AC Says. In today's episode, I want to elaborate on what I mentioned in the intro and previous episode. I have these sayings. They're called AC Says. They're inspired by the NCS television series. Shout out to Agent Gibbs. Gibbs had these rules. Over the years, I found myself using these phrases and sayings over and over again. They're general truths that I found to be helpful and I keep in the forefront of my memory. They're burst out of lessons I've learned and aha moments and I call them AC says. I'm going to share them with you and more, but before jumping into that segment, let's jump into some AC pearls. The fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5, 22 to 25. I am reading from the New American Standard Bible. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with their passions and desires. We've taught each of our children the fruit of the spirit as early as three years old. That's around the same time they're learning to identify the different kinds of fruit, what they taste like, and their nutritional value. So we've layered the learning in, in that regard. They know when we go to the grocery store to carefully examine the apples for bruising and signs of rot. They know to choose bananas that are not too green, not too yellow, not too soft. I'm Goldilocks over here. They know when they pick up a pack of strawberries to look at the bottom to make sure there's no rotten fruit at the bottom because that's usually where the rot is. To this day, each of my girls can recite the fruit of the spirit like nobody's business. The fruit of the spirit is our foundational character training passage. It's the basics in getting back to the basics of faith and family. How we treat each other in our family unit is the basis for how they will treat people outside of our home. If Dada and I aren't exercising self-control with them at home, they're not going to exercise self-control with each other or their friends. If we're not teaching them patience at home, they're not going to be very patient with their friends and coworkers when they eventually move out into the world. 
the physical, spiritual, and emotional love, time, and attention we're lavishing on them while they're young is how they will prayerfully treat their future spouses and desire to be treated in return. There's also a protection element in how we teach our girls. In a world of wolves and goats, and I'm not talking about the greatest of all time, our daughters will need God's counsel to steer them away from the snares that are already laid out for them as young ladies. One day during our family Bible study, Afia wanted some strawberries to munch on. I said, sure, go ahead and grab some. She goes to the refrigerator and she takes a container of strawberries out of the refrigerator. As she's carrying this container of strawberries to the counter, she's kind of pick strawberries off the top of the pile and eat it. Right as she's getting ready to put a strawberry in her mouth, she noticed that it's rotten on the bottom. Like the animated teacher that I am, I sprang into teacher mode. Ew, that one's rotten. Look at it. Ew. And of course, all my hype girls join in. Ew, ew, ew. Then I say, oh my gosh, are you going to eat that? And Afia is disgusted at this point. <laughs> She's like, oh no, she almost dropped the container. I had to actually like make sure I helped her with the container to put it on the counter. But she's like, oh no, no. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, let's examine it. It was a perfect timing to number one, separate the fruit anyway, because clearly there's a rot and where there's rot, there might be some, you know, some other rotten areas in the bundle. As I was separating, I explained to the girls, you have to constantly examine and separate the good fruit from the bad fruit. Otherwise, the bad fruit will always taint or contaminate the good fruit. The good fruit has never helped to reverse the rotting process. Mm -mm, No, there has to be a separation and a cleansing to preserve the good fruit. I asked my girls that day, is rotten fruit desirable? Of course, they say, no. What do you think it'll do to you if you eat it? Well, make us sick or have fever or stomachache. Oh, come on. It won't hurt you. It's not a big deal. Just eat it. What's the big deal? I'm not going to eat rotten fruit. Blah. Here's a pearl to wrap up the segment. Good morals and motives are rooted in the fruit of the spirit. We have to constantly examine and be intentional about sorting and sifting the things in our lives that are not producing good fruit. Pineapple! Look, y'all, I told you in the first episode, <laughs> there's a wordplay that goes on in my head, and I can't help it. These puns just come out of nowhere. It's just it's just how I'm wired. I blame hubby's corny behind for unleashing the dork in me when we first met. But eh, here's my point. Y'all, it's not easy. It does take intentionality and dare I say courage to constantly separate the good from the bad. In our Clark Family Homeschool, we're still exercising what it means to be courageous. Start with your own heart. Start with your family. Start with your marriage. Point out the rot. Separate the good from the bad fruit and enjoy the fruit of the spirit. Branch out to friends and perhaps family that may be the source of a rot that's affecting your character. Pineapple! Be courageous. Matthew twelve thirty three says, Either assume the tree to be good as well as its fruit, or assume the tree to be bad as well as its fruit. For the tree is known by its fruit. 
AC Talks. As I mentioned in previous episodes, I have these sayings that I found myself repeating over and over the years. They are general truths that, in my nearly 40 years of living, have never failed me if I put them into practice. They are my pearls of wisdom that I definitely will be teaching my daughters. As of April 2023, there are 27 AC says listed on my website. I want to highlight some of the top AC says that rings true for me in my journey as an author and a content creator. Go to my website, www.acsvisions.com. Click on the AC corner tab. There's one AC says in particular that I actually trademark. It has proven to be true in almost all of my experiences. AC says number 16, time or money, which one you want to spend. Over the years, I would joke to my sisters-in-law about how everything in life will either cost you time or money. It's up to us which one we want to spend. If my girl's hair is a hot mess and I need it done for an event, uh, I can either spend two hours on each head and eat up an entire day doing hair, or I can throw some money at the situation and free up my time. If hubby and I want to go on a date, there's always a decision of spending time or money. I don't even want to talk about how much daycare is just for two to three hours to spend an evening with my husband. So we can either throw some money at the situation or we can put them kids to bed (laughs) and have a nine or 10 o'clock reservation in our bedroom and just enjoy a date night at home. Time or money, which one you want to spend? I made a few discoveries in the writing process when I began writing my first book, AC Pearls, Writing a Legacy. The process for me began with discovering a writing style that best communicated my heart as a new artist. Listen, I can't tell you how many papers I wrote for three degree programs in my college days. I can tell you how after hours of drafting papers, my brain and my hands hurt. It's difficult for me to engage with content and material that I'm not passionate about. When I started writing AC Pearls and exploring the vision of a children's book series, I could stay up all night pouring out my heart on paper. It was like an explosion went off in the creative side of me. I was so engaged with the content and the material. Why? Because it was a passion for me. That's what I'm passionate about. Essentially, what I was doing is writing all about my faith and my family. And it was spewing out into a book and uh, all sorts of other creative content. That's when I knew writing was a passion. Passion eventually turned into purpose. Purpose turned into a priority. And that turned into AC says number 18, prioritize your purpose. My style of writing is very much conversational. I enjoy writing like I'm chatting with a close friend. I like drawing people into my real life stories to inspire and refresh the senses from what I call, I'm going to call muck, M-U-C-K, muck content that we're saturated with on the internet. Whenever I read an autobiography or inspirational read, I always put myself at the author's table with a cup of tea as if I was right there as the author is telling me their story. That's my goal and the type of energy that I want to recreate in my writing. To stay true to my newly discovered writing style, I decided early on to let the creative juices flow organically. I started by audio recording my experiences and the inspiration God was putting on my heart in the ordinary day-to-day living. 
That led to another discovery in the writing process. AC says number 22, don't choke the artistry. Some things just cannot and should not be rushed or forced. I understand how a lot of authors could draft a book and it's not ready to be released or published for um, from years after the first draft. I also understand how sometimes sequels in a book series are released years apart from each other. The creative juices aren't guaranteed to flow all the time. Simply writing to come up with something clever to put in a book is telling. Likewise, what is written on paper communicates the author's mood. That's been my experience. In the context of this author and this mommy of five, a rough day with my children or a heated discussion with hubby is the energy I know my readers will feel in my writing. When I began chronicling my life experiences, I had to take the time and let creative juices flow organically. The content I chose to share in my book, AC Pearls, needed the space and time to unravel and evolve. I had to be inspired. I had to learn some new things. And I had to wait for those aha moments. And that is a process that can't be rushed, even if I tried. Here's a temptation. You invite people into your vision and your passion. People who have zero clue what's going on in your head. They don't take the time to ask or understand and most likely could care less unless there was a direct benefit to them in some way. Or worse, they project what they shoulda, woulda, coulda and live vicariously through your art. Here's the AC says that came out of an experience at the beginning of my writing uh, journey. AC says, number one, protect your dreams. AC says number three and four, by extension, don't let people tell you what you want and don't let people tell you what you want to hear. The most unproductive input from an artist are the yes men, those who offer zero constructive criticism. They tell you everything is great. And those who constantly attempt to direct the vision God put on your heart without any foundational understanding of that vision or from you as the visionary. Here's the bottom line to the temptation of allowing outside voices to be louder than what should organically flow out of you as a creative. AC says number five, be authentic. I entitled my first book, AC Pearls, Writing a Legacy, based on my admiration for how the Bible symbolizes pearls and their function and their value. To me, pearls are meant to provide insight, words of wisdom, encouragement, and inspiration. When I'm having what Priscilla Shira calls heated fellowship with hubby, what I learned in those moments is organic and worthy of writing about. When I'm going toe-to-toe with my then three-year-old over what she doesn't want to wear, how I negotiate a way to settle the situation without yelling at her is noteworthy in my book. This led to yet another discovery in the writing process. I had to learn not to downgrade my experiences. I wrestled with the temptation of not divulging those aha moments or um, not documenting those tough discussions that I had with my husband or my then teenager. I didn't think it was worthy of sharing outside of my immediate family. 
Well, I knew that wasn't true because I wasn't hearing it from the culture or from social media. And it was proving to be beneficial in my own growth and maturity as a wife, a mommy, an entrepreneur. If I learned something that I thought was valuable enough to adopt as a positive alternative to poor parenting or how I was communicating with my husband or how we function in our family, that was worthy of writing about. AC says, number 22, don't choke the artistry. Here's a pearl to wrap up the segment. It comes from Psalm 45 and 1. My heart is moved with a good theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. I love that verse. AC Visions is my legacy, and I treat my business like a ministry. Not only because the majority of my content is inspired by what God is whispering to my heart as he's teaching and guiding me, but because there are principles and truths I'm leaving for my children and by extension, anyone who may benefit. It's what I'm wired for. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to mix faith, family, and business into content that I can share with anyone who shares my values and anyone who may benefit. AC says, Build your legacy and be consistent. It's time for some questions and answers from the ACB Family Mail. Question number one, how do you socialize your children? Okay, quick backstory. We started homeschooling when our son, Micaiah, was in seventh grade. He attended public school. That was the last grade he was getting into a lot of trouble with the public school systems. It seemed like every day I was having to get off work to go see what was going on with Micaiah at school. He was stealing lunches, <laughs> punching kids. He was just doing the most and I did not recognize him. I'm just like some days I would come home after getting an email from his teacher that day and I'd come home, we'd set the dinner table and I would just ask him, dude, who are you? Like what's going on? And I just remember one specific night we were talking at the dinner table and just kind of going through what's going on in his, in his head. What, what is he thinking? What's going on? What can we help him with? And we have open conversations at the dinner table. So at that point, when Micaiah was a teenager, free reign, say whatever's on your mind. And uh, we just want to get to the bottom of what's going on. And sure enough, he said, that there was a conflict going on in his life where he felt like he had to wear two hats, one hat to fit in with his friends and to kind of quote unquote survive at school and another hat to, you know, be the kid that we were raising him to be with the character building and, and all that at home, his home training. And he felt like he had to wear two hats. He used to walk to school um, and he would take off one hat, put on the other hat and, when he get out of school, he'd take off that hat and put back on um, the hat that we were, we were the kid that we were raising essentially. And he just always felt like he could not be both. And I just was kind of like, wow, I understand how you could feel that way. So we decided to disenroll him from school. I felt his frustrations and I could reflect back on my own upbringing in the public school system. For me at that point in my life, let's see, middle school, middle school was, was rough for me. I didn't like it. So I can't imagine what the kids are going through nowadays. We decided to disenroll him mid 
mid school year, I think it was January, we disenrolled him. What I what we discovered that first year at home, um, as homeschool, uh, our newly homeschool family was there was a lot of unschooling that we had to do a lot of behaviors and mannerisms that we had to kind of dissect and um, unravel and peel back the onion of uh, of just kind of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. So that first year was just kind of decompressing from what he had experienced in school. And from there, that's when the fun began. We started having more family fun. He got more involved in his his academics and it's just kind of like he was starting to blossom and have the freedom and the space in his mind to be at ease and do his thing. And it was just, it it was nice to see how do we socialize our kids being amongst like-minded families, fellowshipping with our friends and family, hanging out with our neighbors, fellowshipping at church, we're well-traveled. We stay on the road, exploring and adventuring into the unknowns. Our daughters are eight, five, and four. They make friends at the playground easily with other children. Why? They understand they know how to engage with other children because we taught them that. As a family, we do a lot of traveling to expose them to all sorts of environments, languages, and cultures. I would say my children have age-appropriate understandings of what is acceptable behavior and when is it appropriate to engage with people, when is it not safe, when to ask their parents. We this, These are things that we teach them. As I mentioned in the AC Pearl segment of this episode, they know what it looks like to produce good fruit and they know what it looks like to as they're interacting with other people, what good fruit looks like. These are things that we teach them. They're not perfect by no stretch of the imagination. They're still growing. They're still maturing, but they are well on their way to being well-rounded individuals, spiritually, emotionally, and socially. So yeah, how do we socialize our children? We train them. (laughs) Question number two, what curriculums have you tried? With our oldest, we did a lot of trial and error curriculums uh, to determine what fit his style of learning and the material that he would best enjoy and engage with. The classical learning approach was the closest to his style of learning that was also enjoyable for him. By the time he was in his junior year, we discovered that Micaiah was not interested in academics. He simply wanted to work with his hands. He wanted a profession where he had room to grow. He wanted to earn a decent living for himself. And he just wanted to start there and go from there. We pushed college for a few years, but then decided to listen and support as best we could his interest in the direction that he thought was best for his life. So from his homeschool experience, we approached teaching the girls from the bottom, that bottom line approach. We listen to what their interests are. We take notes on what they naturally gravitate towards and build our curriculum based on their basic needs and interests. Again, it's a classical learning catered. As an example, I'll teach their basic grade level core subjects. And then at some point, I'll integrate interest-based learning into their core subjects. Autumn wants to be a botanist when she grows up. So the life cycle of plants falls into the sciences, but we also incorporate some historical figures like George Washington Carver's impact on American history. And we have her read some of his literature as part of her curriculum. And when we were on our 50 state 
road trip in 2022, we actually stopped by the birthplace of George Washington Carver. We did some learning at George Washington Carver's National Monument. So we tailor the girls' curriculum according to their interest, and we layer the learning with their core subjects and, of course, lots of family fun. Question number three, have you worked in the school systems and would you teach again? Yes, I have. I interned at an elementary school when I was completing my TESOL degree. Let's see, that was in 2020 when the schools were going back and forth between in-classroom and virtual learning. Um, I got to tell you, that was not my cup of tea. It was not enjoyable for me. I'm pretty sure it was not enjoyable for a lot of teachers, but To answer the question, no, I would not teach in the school systems because my ministry is at home. I have my four daughters here. They are my primary responsibility. And honestly, I don't see myself doing something that I don't have a passion for. Teaching 20 to 30 children at one time is not my, not my passion. I think it's important as an educator to be passionate about teaching what you're teaching and whom you're teaching to. Children are not dumb. They see when they're just being tolerated and pushed along. They see when the educator is not engaged and they're not excited about the learning process. Part of how I invest in my children is their education. It's important for me to communicate to my children that I am investing in them as their teacher. If I were to teach outside of my home, let's say when my girls are older, I would carry that same conviction with me wherever I go. And right now, With my children being so young, no, I can't see myself teaching outside of the home. I do want to say that I am extremely grateful for the teachers who choose to invest in that capacity. But again, my ministry as a mommy and a home educator is with my children at home. folks that concludes the conversation for today i trust this podcast encourages you to continue the conversation in your family circle if you'd like a transcript of this episode you can find it on my website at www.acsvisions.com click on the acv family page there you'll also see the acv family email to send in your questions for the q a segment of the podcast as a reminder episodes are published every thursday Be sure to follow me on social media platforms and sign up to be notified the moment a new episode drops. Thank you for listening to the AC Visions Family Talk Podcast. Until next time.